morning. Good morning. Uh, the thoughts that uh, I have on my mind this morning is a way of introduction. If I could call them this, they're kind of, you know, the, the, the basics. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, sometimes in, in life or in our, our job or with anything, even studying the Bible, sometimes we have a tendency to kind of get bogged down and forget about, you know, the, the basics of, of just anything. Uh, you know, it, it, it being Mother's Day, the, the, the basics that, you know, I, we live down in the South, your mother usually teaches you are the basics of saying please and thank you. That's something, you know, my, my mother ingrained in my head, you know, to say please and thank you. And, uh, and those are just the basics, but they're also important. It's important in conversations, you know, to say please and thank you. Uh, so it's important to sometimes in the Bible to go back to the basics. And uh, I'd like to go to the book of First Peter. And in, uh, in, in First Peter, uh, Peter very much uh, starts this letter with just uh, kind of going back to the basics. Uh, in the second verse, well, in the, I'll start in the first verse. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, uh, Cappadocia, Asia, and uh, Bithynia. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. In that, in that one verse, in the second verse, Peter addresses very, very basic concepts, and I, I think it's important to sometimes to go back and to just just study those basic concepts. And I think that through through studying those, that you'll find that you'll you will gain strength become stronger. Um, sometimes I, I know I'm speaking to myself here. I have a tendency to kind of get bogged down. And it's important to go back and to just <coughs> study on these basic concepts. Um, now, for time's sake, I won't spend a whole lot of time on each of these. But, I, uh, but the first concept he talks about is uh, election. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And it's important that uh, the way that he words that. And uh, in Ephesians, in the first chapter of Ephesians, uh, Paul speaks a lot about um, the concept of election and foreknowledge. In the uh, first chapter, in the fourth verse, he says, According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will. So it's important to keep in memory that concept of election. And, I, 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 and that is a beautiful, uh, beautiful concept to really think about. When you think about right there where he says, chose in him before the foundation of the world. Uh, uh, just to really consider the concept that before the foundation of the world, before you even thought of, that you were loved, that you were loved by God. I think that is a, a beautiful, uh, if I can call it basic concept, that is uh, to consider. And it brings you just closer to God and want to know more about him that Paul, that Peter gives us just in that second verse, in that one, in that one part. And to know that there was nothing you had to do to gain that. And uh, Paul also preaches a lot about this in the the book of Romans, uh, the eighth chapter. Um, I believe it's in the 29th verse. 
And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. And I believe he, also, he brings this concept up again in the 11th chapter. I think it's in the 5th verse. Even so then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace it is no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. That's right. So a beautiful concept just right there that Peter gives us to know that, to, to, that he gave these people to reassure them of their, of their election. And there was, not, there was not of works, but of grace. And a, just a beautiful, basic concept mm-hmm. to consider. Then he goes on to say, through, sancti- through sanctification of the Spirit. I believe there he's referring to uh, being born again by the Spirit. Uh, and, you know, this is something that Jesus talked about uh, constantly to his disciples. And, and again, this was a, a very basic concept, but one that at the time they had very much trouble understanding. And uh, the, the best, the best uh, or my, I would say not the best, but my favorite uh way that the Lord explains it is in the third chapter of John to Nicodemus who uh, asks who asked you know Christ the question of uh, how can a man be born again because he you know that was a, that's a concept I mean if someone just told you that without ever hearing anything in the Bible you you would think they're a little crazy wouldn't you they said well you got to be born again and Jesus uh, explains it very very basically very simply in the fifth verse, it very, very last say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Uh, so in that seventh verse, he said, marvel not. You know, he's telling them not to worry about it. That, that, that is the, the Lord's business, that he'll take care of that part. Right. That there is nothing in those two concepts there that you have to do. That, uh, it, it was, that it's all of Christ and all of God uh, working together. Uh, you know, so he's telling them right there not to worry about it. And that, to me, that, that, that's a lot of reassurance again that he gives us. Um, and, the, and then uh, the other concept that he gives here that uh, I believe this is a concept that is a part of us, something that we, that we have to do, is when he uses the phrase, unto obedience. Now there is a, whenever uh, you know, we come to the knowledge of this, of our election, uh, through sanctification of the Spirit, uh, we, have a, we have a duty, we have a, you know, a responsibility. You know? And uh, he also talks, Paul also talks about in Ephesians about being created and, Christ's workmanship, being called unto good works. Uh, you know, we are we are called to work. Uh, I think we're also called to 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 exercise. You know, to 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 work out. You know, this uh, our faith and to grow. In uh, the book of Philippians, he uh, Paul tells the Philippians 
to uh, work out to work out your salvation with a fear and trembling. I believe it's in the in, in the twelfth verse. Or for my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do, of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Right. So we are... You know, we are called to, uh, you know, to, to work out, to exercise. You know, if you want to get, get stronger just in a physical sense, you're not going to get stronger just by sitting on the couch eating on Cheetos. That's not usually how that works. Uh, you, have to, you have to work out. You have to exercise uh, consistently and get stronger. Uh, I, I think I've said this before. I think that's one of the reasons that Christ uses the term to take up your cross and follow him. You know, a cross is... Physically, you think about over 400 pounds, and I, I'd like to think, you know, if you pick, if you were to physically pick up and carry that thing daily, you probably get a little bit stronger. It, it, it might be, it, it's still going to be hard, it's still going to be heavy, mm-hmm. but it does become easier. I think here that's just another, uh, another example that Paul is giving us to, uh, to work out, to exercise it, to get stronger, and something that Peter, in just these, just in this second verse. He, he's brought to light, you know, there's three basic concepts that uh, if, if you were to just study those three basic concepts and to work them out and work through them, you will find that you will grow. You'll find that you will get stronger. Uh, that's what I had on my mind this morning. Thank you for your time. Thank you. No, it don't take a lot of scriptures to teach a lot, does it? In one, in one verse, you can, you can uh, really uh, gather a whole lot of information. And it is basics. And, and, but that's what the scriptures are built on, the basics. It is a foundation that Paul said has been laid that no other man can lay which is Christ Jesus, and, and Brother Cole just laid foundation down for us to uh, for us to consider uh, the work of God on our behalf, and uh, and then what we owe God for that work on our behalf. It's a simple, basic concept, um, and it's worthy of uh, you know worthy of our time and attention, of our prayers and our constant prayers and our and our seekings. Uh, appreciate so much what Brother Cole has said, and I'm, I, that really does thrill my heart. To uh, you know, because when I have to, when I when I sit and consider myself, uh, you know, it's it's hard for me to think that I'm a child of God sometimes. And I, I really it is, and it's from from my own depravity. I mean, it uh, it's a it's a serious matter to me if if God has chosen me uh, for His own glory, and that that's what He has created me to do. I'll do it if I am one of his, I'll do it perfectly someday. But I should strive to do it perfectly now. Why would I not want to when I'm called to do it? And so it, it, it's a you know the basics are what we build on for for our discipleship and our, our growing and, and what Brother Cole said, which is uh, important, important thing for us to consider and for us to do.
Um, I want to start in the uh, fourth chapter of, of, the Math, of, of the Gospel of Matthew. Now, this was after the Lord Jesus Christ had, uh, was baptized by, by John and then, uh, then uh, exposed himself 40 days and 40 nights to the temptation of Satan. On, for our, our behalf, by the way, he did that. <clears throat> and it says, as soon as the, the devil left him, which was because the Lord you know, <laughs> answered him with the scriptures, Satan came with scriptures and the Lord answered him with scriptures. And then Satan departed from him. If you ever want a good scripture to know how Satan depart from you, answer him with the scriptures. And, uh, and just like the devil left, and uh, <laughs> as, as uh, James says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Then it says from that time, the 17th verse, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, the, the word repent um, is, is important. And, and, and what the word repent means. Uh, now, it does carry different meanings in the scriptures, and, and it's contextual. You can you read the context, and it'll if you got a, a, a dictionary, a Vines dictionary, it's good to read. Uh, uh, it'll tell you exactly the definition, but they're very similar. But the, in this, in this uh, uh, word right here, the word means Jesus is telling us to change, for us to change, because he doesn't. This is a, this, this is a command for... A change in us, a change of mind, a change of way that we might be living, or a change of way that we might be believing. This this will affect the child of God, but it will affect you positively, spiritually. It always will. Jesus Christ will never tell us anything or command us to do something that is not for His glory and will make you a better disciple of Christ but also make you a more joyful sinner. That's hard, you know, that's kind of hard to believe, but, but it's true. It's true. So the word, he says, repent. This is the same thing John began preaching, the same words John the Baptist began preaching in the, in the first chapter of Matthew. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, or, or the kingdom of heaven here is at hand. And, and the Lord never does change his theme. If, you, if you're a good Bible reader, if you, if you study your Bible and, and you read the Gospels, the Lord never does change this theme throughout. In fact, before his ascension back to heaven, it says, Christ said himself, and this, we'll go to the, to, the, to the book of Luke for this. Now, because you can get to the end of each one of these Gospels and there's different wording. That don't mean Jesus, that don't mean that the, the, the Gospels are contradicting each other. It's just that Jesus said a lot of things. And one, one writer recorded this. One writer recorded this. God did it that way on purpose. One writer recorded this. In the, in the, in the last uh, chapter of, of the Gospel of Luke, <clears throat> some of the last words that Christ left, <clears throat> the disciples were this. In the 46th verse, Thus it is written... And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now ye, he says, are witnesses of these things. 
you're witnesses not only of my crucifixion, of my resurrection, but you're also witnesses of my gospel that I preached. Back a few years ago when I first began and I said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So now you continue this theme. When you go out into to the different nations that I will send you, don't change the theme. You preach what I have commanded you to preach. And then you will not have to answer to a conscience that will bother you because you haven't done this. So, so the theme of repentance is throughout the scriptures. Now, also, let's, let's, let's consider the kingdom. Now, the Lord says this kingdom is at hand. You know, most people would like to apply, apply heaven Every time the word kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God is mentioned, that they apply heaven itself to it. That is, the glory world where God dwells now. But now, it, you know, that never has had a beginning, has it? <laughs> it's an eternal place because it's an eternal God. And Christ says this one's now at hand. So it, it, is, a, it, is, it is something that is now that wasn't before. <clears throat> and so, so the kingdom, and, and with a few concepts, we'll learn about it, then we're going to move on with a few concepts. First of all, it is of heaven. Now, that means that this kingdom is a heavenly kingdom. And it's like, it's like an extension, if you will, if you can think of it that way. It's like, a, it's like an extension of heaven itself set up on this earth. And since it is of heaven, let me tell you, there is not another organization. There's not another group. I don't care what kind of club you're belong to or what kind, of, what kind of office that we might hold. If you're the President of the United States, it doesn't matter. There is not a higher institution that is on this earth because every other institution are carnal. This is the only spiritual one there is. Does that make sense? There is the, the, the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the ground of the truth, is the only spiritual kingdom on this earth. All others fail in comparison to what you and I have today. That's what the Lord has under consideration. It is from heaven. So Jesus would tell Pontius Pilate uh, when, he, when Pontius would say, Know ye not that I have power to release you? Don't you know who I am? <coughs> have you not an idea of the authority I have? Can't you answer me? Why are you so quiet? And the Lord says, Thou hast no authority at all except it were given to thee from God from above. My kingdom is not of this world. So now we know it's not only from heaven, it's not of this world. And so worldly themes, worldly minds have no part in it. Worldly ambitions have no part in it. It will not appeal to worldly men. It does not appeal to, uh, uh, to, to, the, to the flesh of you or me or anybody else. And Christ never intended it to. Never did intend it to. It's, it's different. 
It's different from any other organization. There's something that appeals to my flesh. That somebody can say, I'm gonna, we're going to start this up. And I know Lofton enjoys doing this. So I'm going to hit him up first and see if we, he won't be a part of it. Well, they, somebody comes to me. They say, let's, you know, let's join, do you want to join the Garden Club of New Johnsonville? Because I know you like to guard. Sure, I'll say. Well, <clears throat> whoever plants a garden, they don't have to be spiritually alive to do that, do they? A dead sinner can go out and put a piece of grain in the, in the soil just like I can. Doesn't make any difference. I might enjoy that. It is not spiritual. <clears throat> now, this kingdom also, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the Lord said himself, is an appointed one. All right? So this, this is distinguished from heaven itself, but I want you to know it is a branch from it because it came from heaven. It is the kingdom of it, but it's on this earth. Because Paul said this kingdom shall be delivered up to the Father. And if, if to be delivered up, I've got enough sense, it has to be down first. It has to be down first to be delivered up to the Father. <clears throat> Jesus Christ tells the disciples, As the Father hath appointed unto me a kingdom, so I appointed unto you. And you too. You too. That in this kingdom, Jesus says, ye may sit down and eat and drink at my table. That's a different table than anybody else's. That you know, you know, mama can put out a good spread of food, but that's not what the Lord feeds. The Lord has a table. The Lord, he has a, there's a man that made a great supper. He said, that's him. And all things are ready. It is an appointed kingdom. It is a heavenly kingdom. It is not of this earth. Paul said concerning it in, in Hebrews chapter 12, Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved. It cannot be altered. That is the terminology there. It cannot be changed. There's no authority in the center to change it. So from the, from the, from the very points of its doctrine, of, of Christ's own doctrine, now, they, you know, we, we are always better off just to stick with the words of God, aren't we? You know, we, we, we kind of want to gloss things ourselves and, and cherry-pick scriptures here and there. Uh, for uh, for our own profit and pleasure, but you know, if we just stick to the Word of God, we're a whole lot safer. <clears throat> and this kingdom cannot be moved, so it, it uh, there's no altering it just because it's a two thousand and something year old now. In the year 2022, the year of our Lord 2022. Let's put it that way. If it does not fit our social life, and we can't make the social life fit it, if it does not fit a a a scheme of you know of of a modern way of worship, because heaven knows, God knows that we can't do things like they used to do. We can't we can't be so bored to death. 
We're just hearing and, and singing a cappella, singing like the apostles did, like the Lord did when they sang a hymn and went out after the foot washing. We can't sing a cappella. We can't just listen to preaching. We can't just pray, just like the early church did. Heaven knows we've got to have change. Then that's not the kingdom. You can't trace any other kingdom back to Christ except the kingdom that Christ built. And that's the only one you can trace back to Him. All other ones have been invented by men. They have a beginning with a man somewhere, and some people don't mind at all telling you that. They don't mind, they don't mind you knowing that. Uh, some folks are, are glad to, to go back to a certain man. They say, well, in, back in 1750, this denomination started. Back in, in uh, 1625, this denomination started. Back in 1850, there was a split between the Old Baptist and the Missionary Baptist. And now, you know, the, uh, the, the Old Baptist took and maintained the name Primitive, which means original. That's us. The New Baptist came out and said, we believe in missionary societies. We believe in that the gospel is, is imperative to get people born again. We believe you've got to take this uh, or people's going to die and go to hell if we don't get the gospel to them. The Old Baptist says, no, that's wrong. We will stick where the Lord kept us and began his ministry right there. Thank you. Uh, we are here. <clears throat> the kingdom was built by Christ. Does that make sense? It is... It is something we received and it can't be moved. It, sh it can only be entered into and believed. And simply, it must be sought first, as Jesus said. And, and, and repentance is a key to that, a change in us. Now, listen, this, this, uh, this call to repentance, and it is a call. The call to repentance is a call, but it is particular. A particular call to a particular people. <clears throat> now, because, first of all, repentance itself is a gift from God. Know thee not that it is the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance? To which the Apostle Paul says, Godly sorrow works repentance unto salvation, but the sorrow of this world worketh death. So when God works a sorrow in you, it is a godly one. The result of that is a, is a repentance from us. Now, should we seek that godly sorrow? Yes. Don't ever think you're too good to sorrow godly. Don't ever think you're too high or it ain't worth it to sorrow godly. You seek that God would grant you this. This, this is a prayer of mine all the time. And that God would grant me a godly sorrow. Don't let me go through this life just absolutely careless and, uh, and, and, and uh, indifferent concerning myself and my sins. Below God, when I do in thought or feeling go astray, please, Please bring me down. Make me to, to uh, you know, and, and God has. I have found in my life that God has made me to drink a lot of golden images. He has ground that image up into powder, just like the Israelites uh, made that golden calf. And, and God told Moses, you grind it up in powder and you make them drink the bitterness thereof. I've drank a lot of bitter idols in my time. 
And I was thankful for it. And I myself is one of my, I, I am one of my own idols. And that keeps me from repentance. When I just feel like I have no need of it, that keeps me from repentance. And, and that, that's something that, that I fight with. Alright? Well, you know what? You know what it keeps me from, though? The kingdom. Guess what repentance leads into? The kingdom. This kingdom's at hand. You seek it first, Christ says. All these other things. You know, the, the American dream is that you, you, you collect all that you can get. You collect all that you have, what, whatever you can do to, to gain and gain and gain and gain and gain. Uh, and, and there's really no end to it. So, so you keep getting into debt. So you keep working to get out of debt. You get more debt. You keep working get, to, to get out of debt. Because you want more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. You know, stuff is fine. But stuff will also rob you of the kingdom. It will rob the Lord Jesus Christ says, God knows you have need. He said, Do not the Gentiles in this world uh, do they not seek after food, clothing, and houses? Of course they do. And God says, He and Christ says, God knows that you have need of these things. There's a great difference in our needs and our wants, isn't there? I mean, you walk in my closet. No offense to my wife. Look on my side of the clothes. Look on my side. I got more clothes in there than I'll ever wear. You know, some of them were given to me, but, but they're, they're just piled in there. I've got shoes that, 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 that line up. Now, most of my shoes I wear at different times. But my clothes, some will sit there and probably never be worn. I don't need all of that. I really don't. Uh, there's a lot that I have because I want it. And sometimes our wants become our idol. And then our idol drives out the kingdom. So to repent from that, I've had to do it over and over and over. It is, it is a detriment to me. Not, not the blessing thereof. I'm talking about the lust and longing thereof. And there's a great difference, y'all. y'all have, you have to understand. And everybody would agree that what God gives is to be received with joy but not to be loved and longed after excessively as, as, you know, as, the, as the American way goes. Because that is your happiness, by the way. No, it's not. not. Not the people under consideration here. So, so the Lord Jesus Christ gives us a call to repent. All right. That this kingdom, this, this kingdom that can't be moved, this kingdom that we receive and it can't be moved, this kingdom that, that is appointed, that Christ appoints to us, this kingdom that is from God, from heaven itself, and not of this earth, Christ says it's not, the kingdom that we are to seek first above all things, Above all things, it's what's in stake and what's at hand. Now, in the let's go to the ninth the ninth chapter of the same gospel. Now I want to uh, so that we can understand there is a there is a repentance, and this is important. Brother Cole talked about Basics. If you get the basics right, everything else is going to, to, to make sense to you, okay? The basics of God's Word 
will will harmonize not only within God's Word, but it's also going to harmonize with your experience with God. It It will not contradict your experience with God. If you have had one. If you have had one. It's going to be in harmony with it. Now there is a call to repentance. We just read it. John said it. Jesus repeated it. And then Jesus told the disciples, you preach the same things. And you go read in the book of Acts. So what does Peter say? On the day of Pentecost, he's preaching. And, 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 and some of the men were pricked in their hearts. Roughly 3,000 people. <coughs> were pricked in the heart when they heard the gospel of this kingdom. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? What did Peter say? Nothing. You don't have to do anything. You're going to heaven anyways. I can see it in you. No. You repent. And you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because He has remitted your sins or for the remission of sins. That's what you do. Now let's go to the fifth chapter of the book of Acts. The apostle Peter, still preaching, saying, God hath highly exalted Jesus Christ to be a prince and a savior, to give, not offer, repentance unto Israel. And that's not national Israel. That is God's Israel. That is the Jew who is not one outwardly, but one inwardly. Whose circumcision is not of the flesh, but that of the heart, because that's where God works. Peter says, he has made Jesus, set him at the right hand, made him a prince and a savior to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of their sins. to, to, To give repentance unto Israel and the forgiveness of their sins. And it says, and they were cut to their heart and they took up stones to stone. Different results from the same sermon, basically the same sermon. Different results because a different heart. <clears throat> there, is a, there is a repentance that you are brought to, and then there is a repentance that you are called to. And you say, well, how do I know the difference? How do I know the difference that I've, I've, I'm, I've brought to an appendant, a repentance as the one that I am called in, in, uh, in the book of Matthew when Christ says for us to repent. That, that is still us, y'all. We don't, that is still us. The theme hasn't changed. Because the kingdom is still at hand. Here's proof of it right here. Here's proof. That here's a, here's a, <laughs> here's a congregation of people that's worship, worshiping so basically just like the Lord Jesus Christ did and His apostles. What you're doing today, do not think that this is unimportant or taken lightly. Or that you are in any way less than other people who may have a congregation of 2,000 people. You know, and they they may be, (laughs) you know, they, they may have so much entertainment within their building that that the place is rocking and rolling today. I don't know. But that's not the kingdom. I'm not saying those people are not God's children. I'm saying that is not the kingdom though. That is not the kingdom that's at hand. And I would that they understood it. And I would that they sought it and repented of those ways 
because the real kingdom is still at hand. Oh, I'd love to baptize them here at Buffalo Church, wherever they're at, if they're so ready to be a part. Now, the Lord, if we just stick with the words of the Lord, He's going to distinguish. <clears throat> He's going to distinguish between <clears throat> the, the, uh, the calling to repentance and someone being brought or given repentance. And it's a, it's a simple concept. It's basic, Brother Cole. It's a basic concept. Now, if you go to the ninth chapter of, of Matthew, and the Lord had uh, come by a certain fellow named Matthew. You know, Matthew wrote about himself some, you know, and, and, and they had to do that. And, and uh, that was their, there was their calling. This is Matthew that Jesus saw sitting at the receipt of co- uh, customs, which he was a tax collector. He was, you know, a publican, and they were, they were thought very poorly of. You know, they go get your money for the government, for, for the Roman government. You know, uh, Caesar needs more. They go up to the Jew, he needs more money. They, they were not well high, uh, or highly thought of, very low in the opinion um, of other people. <clears throat> but Jesus said to him, follow me. And you know what he did? He arose and did it. That's pretty, that's pretty simple, isn't it? When Jesus says do something, we, we just do it. That, that's, that goes back to repentance. <laughs> and it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in his house. This was his house. He was in Matthew's house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came to sit down with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw it, they said unto the disciples, Why eateth your master with this kind of people? with publicans and sinners. You know, the Pharisee will look down. The Pharisee has a... They have a high opinion of themselves, of their own lives, their own offices they held, of how they wanted people to perceive them. It was hard for a Pharisee to condescend to men of low estate. It was beneath them. You know, they... They they were above the Lord in their own minds. They were above Christ. They felt him to be a, uh, you know, a, uh, to cast out devils by the name of devils, through the devil himself, through Beelzebub. They they said he was a, you know, he was a liar. There, there's a lot they said about the Lord Jesus Christ. And here they're saying to him, why, why would you sit at the table with this man right here and all these others that you're fellowshipping with and eating and breaking bread? <clears throat> but Jesus said, but when Jesus heard that. He said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Now, in, in, in the basic concept of things, uh, you, you don't have... Not, not, my neighbor here, he, he has a problem with his foot from time to time. There would be no need for Tim to go to the doctor if he did not have a reason to go, would there? I mean, who's going to go and spend money? Any of us will not go and spend money and say, okay, I'm going to the doctor because I feel so well, because I feel good. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go blow 150 just for the visit and then let him, let him take some blood work to prove I feel good. And that's going to cost me about 350 more dollars. So I got 500 invested now, and, 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 the, and the reason 
for going is not one at all. I don't feel sick one bit. Nothing wrong with me whatsoever. But if you are sick, you have a reason to go. You have a need. So the concept Jesus is, is telling them is this. The reason some of these people are here is they need me. The reason you are looking down on them is you don't. Because there's a difference between these people and you. The wholeness that Jesus talks about is a presumptuous wholeness. People presume about themselves that they're not really that bad. They presume about themselves that, you know, I've... I give enough money and I, I, I do enough good works for people that surely to goodness I'll be worthy to go to heaven someday. God's going to look on me and say, Oh, Lofton's, you know, I, I batted up his works and bless his heart, he gained it by, by half a percent. You know, he was 51 and a half to the good, 49 and a half to bad. So here's your ticket into heaven. That, that, that doesn't sound like a very good system to me, does it? You, you know, that just don't sound very, that don't sound very promising. Um, but people presume in themselves things that are not real. <clears throat> things that, are, that, are, that, are, that, that doesn't actually exist. Now, this wholeness that Christ says, he's speaking to the Pharisees, there is a presumption that you have no need. But these do. Now, then he says, you go and learn what that meaneth. He takes them to Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, as if to say, you go read this. God says, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. That is, I, God is going to be merciful to whom he'll be merciful to. And he's going to be compassionate to whom he'll be compassionate to. And whom he will, he will harden. Or leave them in a state of hardness. You know, the, the, uh, God, God, uh, Paul talks about the, uh, the children of God in election, as Brother Cole talked about in, in uh, Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, he, he talks about election. He said, what if God, who is willing to show his wrath and make his power known, endures with much long suffering the vessels of wrath, that's of God's wrath, that are, that are fitted to destruction. That is, the end of their life will be destruction. And you know what? They don't care. Now, I'm not saying they want to go to hell. Do not get me wrong. I do not think if you presented it to them that way, are you willing, do you want to go to a place of torment and pain and misery and be separated from God and have nothing but misery all of your eternal days? And that's, that's you know, uh, that, that, that phrase really doesn't make sense. It's not eternal days, but all eternity. They're going to say, of course not. Of course not. But can they change a fact 
that there's nothing in them that longs to be with God. They can't change that. And neither could you. You could not change that one bit. Unless God first worked that in your heart. And that makes you a part of this next scripture. That he might make known unto the vessels of mercy. The riches of his grace. And these vessels of mercy, he says, he hath afore prepared them unto glory. That is your eternal kingdom. There is a kingdom that you are prepared, that's been prepared for you. Remember the separation of the goats and the sheep and tell the sheep what? Come ye, blessed of the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Been there for since the foundation of the world. That's when that's when man had his beginning, didn't it? That didn't mean that the kingdom was there or wasn't there before that. Heaven was there before that. <clears throat> but but that's when man got our beginning. We know things in time. And Jesus said concerning, and John 14, he said, If I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you to myself. If I prepare it, you're going with me. I'm coming back. You're mine. I'm not going to lose you. Now this, <clears throat> this first call, this first uh, being brought to repentance is found in the, in the second chapter, or, or second Peter, when, uh, when there was a question about the coming of Christ. You know, the scoffers, this is a prophecy, by the way. A prophecy in the last times, people continue to say, where's the promise of His coming? You know, all things continue as they were. The sun goes up, it goes down. I watch the news every day. Get up, put my shoes on, go to work. You know, everything's just the same. Nothing's ever changed. And yet Peter says, the Lord is not slack concerning this promise. You know why He's not slack? He says, because God is long-suffering to usward. Remember, he was long-suffering with the wicked, with them, but to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Every heir of grace, every child of God will be brought to repentance initially when they are born again. You see, that is, that is, the, that is the time when uh, that, and, and, and you know, I can't, I can't teach that. I can't instill such a thing, nor can you. You can't tell somebody, uh, feel guilty for your sins, make yourself a miserable, wretched sinner, please. Though they try. I mean, this, this, is, this is a common theme even people I, I have, I don't, I, I like listen to certain preachers on the, on the radio that are not old Baptists, and, and a lot of times what they say is good until they get to the end. Uh, sometimes then they just blow the whole thing apart. <laughs> you know, you just blew a good, great sermon right apart in the end. And, they'll, they'll, and they even say things like this uh, on a, on a, to repeat after them. They'll say, if you'll repeat after me this sinner's prayer, God will born you of his spirit and you'll become a child of God. And then they'll say, they'll continue on the prayer, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. You do not have to tell somebody to know that they're a sinner if the Lord has already revealed that to them. That is the repentance that God gives spiritual Israel. That's how you can identify yourself with this kingdom. And you have hope of that one above. 
That makes, that's, that's the difference in those that are whole and they that are sick. Because Jesus makes us sick. You know, it's, it's a strange concept to the fleshly mind. But that's exactly what Christ is saying. Um, you know, and, the, and, and there's no, the, the, uh, the 110th Psalm, God says this, or David writes this about the Lord. He says, the Lord, that's God the Father, said unto my Lord, that is God the Son. This is a foretelling of Christ's crucifixion and resurrection and the result of that resurrection. And the result of that crucifixion. The Lord said to my Lord, sit thou here on my right hand. You are my right hand man. Until I make thine enemies thy footstool. In other words, I'm going to bring your enemies to your feet. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, he says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by Jesus Christ. How are you reconciled to God? By Jesus Christ. By your acceptance of Christ? No. By God accepting Christ? Yes. God accepted the work of Christ. He accepted His offering. He, wrote, he, he raised him out of the, the grave, set him at his right hand, says you're going to sit right here until the last child of God, which is your enemy by nature, I put at your feet and make your footstool. That's where we get to worship because God's throne is in heaven and is, is, uh, the earth is his footstool. When you come to the gospel church, when the gospel kingdom on the Lord's day, guess where you're coming? You're coming to the feet of Christ. That's exactly what he means. Then God says, I will send out my rod out of Zion, and he says, rule thou, that's Christ, and you rule in the midst of your enemies. Right here. That's where God governs me. It's a change of heart. It is a change of heart. God says, I will take out their heart and their stony heart, and I will give them a heart of flesh. Brother Church will preach that all the days that I ever heard him preach. That's one of his favorite scriptures. God taking out the hard and stony heart. And give him a heart of flesh. And tears be rolling out of his eyes. There was no greater proof that God touched that man. No greater proof. Amen. And he'd sit right here and, and we'd be singing a song. And I'd hear him sing. Next thing you know, Brother Church will stop singing. He looked over. His face was as red as that book right there. And tears were just flowing. Now that, that's a heart. That's a sick, that was a sick man. That God has made sit. That was an enemy God put at his feet. And the next verse of Scripture proves. I will send out the rod out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thy enemies. For thy people. Now notice how he attaches these people to Christ. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. There is no way in the world that somebody can reject the eternal call of of God. So sure was the Lord said himself. He said, As the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son of Man giveth life to whom he will. To whom he will. To whom he will. Who does Christ give life to? Everybody he wills. And then he says, This is how this works. He says that the, the time and coming and now is when the dead and sins shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Do <coughs> you think the Lord has any doubt of His power? 
Doesn't sound like it to me. Now who, now who are these dead then? Well, He tells us. <laughs> he tells us. All right, in, in John chapter 10, the Lord says they are the sheep. He said, well, I thought sheep were God's children. They are. But the sheep are dead in sins. The sheep are dead in sins. You know, oh, I can picture old Isaiah the prophet writing down these scriptures in Isaiah 53 and tears just pouring out of his eyes as he considers himself. When he says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And every one of us into our own ways. But the Lord hath laid upon Christ the iniquities of us all. Don't you know how wonderful he felt, but how guilty he felt? So Jesus Christ says concerning the sheep, there's a fold of sheep, he says. And when he said, and, and, uh, and, and he said, I am the shepherd. And says, to the shepherd, the porter opens as if there is a time in their life affixed by God, in which this power comes. To him, the porter opens, and he says, and I enter into the sheep, and I call them by their name, and I lead them out. No preacher involved. That's the voice of the Son of God. That's the power of God to quicken a dead alien sinner, his sheep, and raise them up, and make them, Make them now feel a need for a physician. But that's what he says. Alright? For I am not come to call the righteous, but I am come to call sinners. So this is the call now. This is the this is the gospel call that comes after. The eternal call, I am now come to call these righteous, not, not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, my gospel and my kingdom is going to be fitting for them. There's nobody else on this earth. There's not an, there, there is not a dead alien sinner on this earth that would enjoy doing what you're doing right now. I say they won't enjoy. I don't mean they won't. They don't have a. They might not be baptized. I'm, just, I'm saying. I'm saying they will not enjoy what you're doing right now. This is not for everybody. This is not for anybody that's not sick. If the Lord has not made you sick of your sins, and you know what, my symptoms are not going away, y'all. My symptoms are the same as they were back. I can remember back when I was an early teenager. Being so bothered, being so absolutely bothered by my sins. Devastated of the things that crossed my mind. Devastated of things that I, that I, that I was willing uh, to, uh, to expose myself to. And it would, it would always make me feel so guilty. But most times I ignored that. Like a foolish, foolish, foolish individual does. And you know who paid the consequences of that? It's me. Do not be deceived, guys. Dude, I don't care about your youth. I don't care how young you are. You know, there's a wisdom that Solomon says in the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to wrap this up, to, to the young, to people like Sadie Beth, and because and, 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 uh, and, she's the youngest one in here, so I'm picking on my daughter, but everybody own up. But that doesn't stop at them. <clears throat> and that is this. He says, ye young people, or actually he says, ye young men, 
But we, we, you know, we, we're going, we can't say that that God will discriminate against women on this, this scripture. He says, you go your own way. You follow your own heart. You do what you want to do. But you know this. That for all of these things that you do, God will bring you into judgment. Now he's talking about the spiritually alive. The judgment of the wicked is later. That's coming. The judgment of God's people come in time. Then he says to them, flee. Flee these useful lusts. Flee it so that you are spared. You know, the Bible gives a lot of good instructions to God's children if we just listen. There's a, there's a lot I wish I knew back when I was a teenager. I mean, I wished I knew that. I wished I knew things. I, I, you know what? I didn't take time to study the Bible. I did not take time. And yet, how vital is this to the kingdom? How vital is this to my salvation that I'm to work out? And even though, you know, here I am at a nearly 52-year-old. I find the closer I get to the grave, and it gets closer every day. I know it does. It's just only logical. The closer I get to the grave, the more I find myself in need of my physician. <coughs> that I need the healing balm because my symptoms haven't changed. I've not gotten any better, y'all. And there's no getting better. The, 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 the best this fleshly body here is ever going to be is when somebody puts it up there right up from Greg and Deborah's house in a place we've got picked out. And a, and a vault. And then Lofton will never, ever rear his ugly head again and sin against his God. Till then, I need the balm of my Lord. I need the assurance of grace. I need to know I don't have to fear death. You say, well, why do you fear death for? You believe in sovereign grace? I believe in sovereign grace. It's the, it's the only thing I'll ever believe in. But in the kingdom, I get that assurance. That is where God gives it. That's why he says, blessed are the poor in spirit or the sick. Why? Theirs is the kingdom. This is my kingdom. It's appointed unto me. It's appointed unto you. It's appointed to God's children. Repent, he says, for it's at hand. I find the greatest joys in Christ through my repentance, through the reduction of myself and the need of Him as my Savior so that I don't have to fear to die. Because sometimes I do. I can't, I can't explain to you. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night <coughs> and the very thought of my last breath coming and me not being a child of God will bring the greatest fear that I've ever known. You know who alleviates that? Hebrews chapter 2. For as much as the children were partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part of the same, that he, through death, might destroy him that had power of death, that is the devil, 
and to comfort them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to that bondage. It's a bondage. Fear is a great bondage. But notice he says all their lifetime they're subject to it. You say, I never fear to die. I hope that's true. If you do not really fear to die, that means you are a good disciple. If you do not fear to die, that means you are granted great assurance that you are God's elect. But it's a particular election for a particular people that are made particularly sick, that Christ is the only antidote of that sickness. He is it. He is it. Nothing else will do for that child of God. And, 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 uh, and no, no greater example, and I'm going to be done with this, than, uh, than, the, woman, you know, than the woman over in, uh, in the fifth chapter of, of Mark's gospel. Remember, she had an issue of blood for 12 years. Now, and, and, you know, without being just terribly uh, vain in this or, 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 or gross in this, I mean, it is what it is, right? It was, her, it was a cycle that women go through. <clears throat> this woman had it for 12 years. There was something causing that, was there not? Something caused the issue of blood that she could not stop. And it says that, 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 that she had, uh, had, had gone to many physicians. Let's just read. It, it, it's better to read sometimes. In the fifth, fifth chapter of Mark's gospel, and then, and then I'm going to bring this to an end. Fifth chapter of Mark's gospel. All right. <clears throat> A certain woman which had an issue of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians. You know, and a lot of times we suffer because we go to the wrong place. We go to the wrong physician. That's Job's friends. Remember Job's friends? He told them what? That you are physicians of no value. You're not doing me any good at all. Had suffered many things of many physicians. Had spent all that she had, all of her money, and she was none the better but rather she got worse. And that's usually what the wrong physicians do to us. That makes us worse than what we are. Could be your mom and dad. Could be your brother and sister. Could be your best friend tells you, hey, don't worry about that. God's not going to do anything to you. Or why do you worry about hell and stuff for? Just live your life, enjoy it, and let, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Don't, don't listen to people like that. They'll make you worse than what you are. They'll make you worse. But not this woman. She wouldn't have it, would she? When she heard about Jesus, she came behind and touched his garment. She said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and in her body. She felt like her plague was healed. And sin is a plague. Sin is a plague. In 73rd Psalm, David says that the wicked are not troubled, nor are they plagued like others are. I'm plagued with sin, and I'm thankful that I am plagued with it. I would have it if, even if I wasn't plagued with it. I would still be a sinner. I would be so vain and vile and it wouldn't bother me one bit. But God be thanked. God be thanked that I hate the things that He hates because He dwells in me. If He didn't dwell in me, if He did not change my heart, I would not be that way. But that's God's initial called to my, or, 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 or being me brought to repentance, and then he calls me to this. In other words, he says, you come, you touch my garment. You touch my garment. You touch me. You still have plagues, Lofton. You still have plagues. They're not going away, are they? I, I say, no, they're not. 
Repent, Lofton. This kingdom is yours. This kingdom is yours. Seek it first. Love me above all things. You'll get what you need. And I found God to be true to his word as he always is. May God bless each and every one of you is my prayer.